have kids, they said. It will be fun, they said. Who the heck are they anyway? As moms, we sacrifice a lot for our families, our time, our health, our wallets, our identity, friendships, personal care, and of course, our beloved sleep. Motherhood is a crazy ride, one that is not meant to be braved alone. It takes a village, right? Well, your village is here. I'm your host, Sabrina Greer, and every week I'll be diving into the gray areas of motherhood with some very special guests. This is not the highlight reel, but the real deal. So reheat that cup of coffee, turn up the volume, and get ready for the reminder that you've got this, mama. Hello, and thank you for tuning in. You're listening to You've Got This Mama, the podcast, and I'm very excited. I have two special guests with me here today, not just one, two, and I'm going to introduce these wonderful ladies, but welcome to the show. Hello. Thank you. Yeah. Thank you. With me today, I have Hannah Johnson and Lisa, Dr. Sorry, Lisa Stellwagen with me from, where are you guys from? Tell me, tell me where you're from. We're from San Diego, sunny and warm San Diego. <laughs> and your company is the Health Milk Bank. Is that correct? So yeah, it's the University of California Health Milk Bank, a milk bank owned by UC San Diego and located at our San Diego blood bank. Amazing. And the reason I brought these wonderful ladies on the show today is because it is World Breast Pumping Day in just a couple days. And we're going to talk all things breast milk, all things, you know, health and then, you know, the natural occurrences that happen with breast milk. We're going to talk about alternatives and options and all the things. So a little bit of a different episode here today, but I'm so excited to welcome these incredible ladies here. So tell me a bit about who you are, what you do, um, you know, all things I want to hear from, from your side, not the bio version. <laughs> Thanks for having so, us, Sabrina. We're so happy to be here. Um, so we started this dream of the Milk Bank about four years ago, four and a half now. And um, we really wanted to serve a community that was being underserved. So a lot of um, NICU babies end up with a disease called neck. And I'll let Lisa get more into that. But it's really important that these young, fragile lives are getting breast milk. And the best way to do that is through donor milk because it's pasteurized. It has no pathogens and it's the safest option for them. Um, the benefit to starting a milk bank is we also get to serve the community. So moms who are unable for some reason to have enough milk also have the option to purchase milk for their babies so that they can all have the option for breast milk if that's what they choose. And we'll talk more about benefits and different options when it comes to that. But we're so excited to be here and share because we literally just opened a few short months ago in the middle of a pandemic, which <laughs> praise be. Um, yeah, so we're happy to be here. So incredible. I love it. Well, thanks for being here too. I think it's such a important thing that you're doing and you know what what got you into this business how did you you know what where was the connection there tell me a bit about that so I'm a general pediatrician working in the community and then moving into hospital care of newborn babies at UC San Diego about 20 years ago and um, the breastfeeding support in our community at our institution has been there for many years and we became we it's where baby friendly hospital initiative started actually at UC San Diego so we've been, you know, very much in terms of supporting people's um, efforts to breastfeed their children. And, um, but we moved into the NICU a few years ago when 
when data started coming out about the uh, importance of uh, exclusive human milk diet for the tiniest babies, these little very low birth weight babies, those born under three pounds, if they are fed an exclusive diet of human milk, their mother's own milk or donor milk if mom um, is not able to make enough milk, that they, uh, their outcomes are much better than if they're give, given formula. And you know, formula for a full-term baby is, is very good nutrition. Babies do quite well on it. It of course lacks a little bit of the biology of mother's own milk, but in the NICU, it's really completely different. And the um, giving formula to a tiny premature baby can actually lead to some life-threatening complications. So as we started diving into that on the research side and the clinical side in the hospital, um, we, we were running up against regional shortages. There's only one nonprofit milk bank in the whole state of California. It's a huge state. We have more NICUs in our state than, than are in all of Canada. You know, it's a big state. There's a lot of, of um, children that are born in institutions now that aren't using donor milk and it, it, it's a problem. Wow. I had no idea. That's crazy. Those, those numbers are insane. Yeah. Wow. Well, it's, it's incredible work that you're doing and what a, what an amazing thing to be passionate about. And it's so, so beautiful to hear that. So can you tell me then some of the benefits of breast milk? I mean, we all, we've all heard that it's good. We all know that it's good, but what are the actual benefits? Yeah. So, you know, this is an evolving field, but I think, I think for most of us thinking about the biology of what's in the milk, um, when you feed the baby your milk, be it at the breast or in a bottle, um, there's women end up for whatever reason, um, pumping it, expressing their milk and feeding it to a baby in the bottle. And, um, but the biology of that milk really leads to a great reduction in infectious disease in children. So decreased rates of ear infection, bloodstream infection, pneumonia, urinary tract infection, meningitis, diarrheal illness, it can really be a changer. It's true that in the third world, um, these, these infections are life-threatening. And in this country, you know, children, um, they suffer with these infections, but they're, they're not as likely to die from them. So it's not the urgency it might be in other parts of the world, but the outcomes are important in terms of infectious disease. And the other one I think we don't talk about enough is that um, a baby being breast milk fed decreases their rate of uh, sudden infant death by half. Um, it also decreases the rate of um, some other inflammatory diseases, even certain types of childhood cancer. And so it has some really impressive benefits. Wow. Amazing. Yeah. We've all heard it referred to as liquid gold. It sounds like it actually yeah. is liquid gold. Isn't yes. It? Yes. <laughs> it's just incredible. So what would your advice be to someone who perhaps, you know, can't for whatever reason or struggles with breastfeeding, how, how can they access these resources? Yeah. You know, it's funny. I was just thinking about this when, when I had my children, if a woman wasn't able to breastfeed, she just used formula. We didn't even talk about pumping and putting your milk in a bottle. And I, I, uh, I think it's, that's really changed. And when we look at breastfeeding rates, they've, they've, um, they've gone up, they've progressed nicely, but there's a number of women that used to not have that option of um, feeding their baby their milk without breastfeeding for whatever reason. And it's really caught on. And I find with our milk donors, about 10% of the moms are what we call exclusive pumpers. They're pumping and feeding their baby express milk. So that I think is just an amazing thing. And it's, um, it's a chance to give the baby that biology of the mother's milk, even if it's just for a few weeks. I think the other thing is that, that 
that in the breastfeeding world, we've been a little too militant about pushing it. Like you have to exclusively breastfeed your baby. And we just don't know that. And I think even for some women expressing milk and giving the baby a few weeks of, of the benefits of their milk is something that they should feel really proud of. Um, what I see on the, um, now that we're in the business of making donor milk and we're making it mostly to sell to NICUs, but we have milk that we can't sell to NICUs because it has a little bit lower calorie or protein components. And we're selling it to families to feed children at home. And so we see a fair number of families that are struggling with breastfeeding. They wanna give their baby breast milk. They just are producing enough and they're just so thankful to, um, to be able to give their baby donor milk. Even again, just a couple feedings a day over the first few months for the benefits that it may provide to their child. And they're so thankful to the women who take the time to donate milk. And I think that's the other thing to really highlight for moms who are either struggling for one reason or another, even if they're just giving a bottle a day of either purchased donor milk or their own milk, they're doing a ton of good. So if the rest of the day they are formula feeding or otherwise, that one can have a lot of protective qualities for the baby. So it's not an all or nothing. And I think that's where the conversation needs to change. It's not black and white. There's a lot of gray area and there's upcoming a lot more support with things like being able to purchase milk from a milk bank in um, your region. Mm, incredible. So I was a milk donor and, Ooh. you know, it was, it was a very interesting process because I just sort of, you know, freeze bags, drop them off or, you know, send them out. And I'm just curious how the actual process works. If you could share a little bit about that. Yeah. And um, what we're talking about here is nonprofit milk donations. So women like yourself, healthy women who's, who have extra milk that their baby doesn't need that are willing to give the gift of milk. They're not being paid for the milk. Um, and, uh, it's a bit of a process. I do think, um, one of the things that got Hannah and I involved in this whole starting a milk bank was to make the process easier, because if we don't drive milk donation, we're not going to be able to meet the needs of all those fragile preemies. And it's just not right. You shouldn't have to be born at my hospital in an affluent community to get donor milk. If you are this teeny tiny baby with a need. So how do we get more women to donate? We make it easier to donate. Um, the process basically is um, mothers reach out to us um, and tell us they have a, about 100 ounces that they can they could donate, and they they have to go through a pretty rigorous screening process. It's much like donating blood. We have to make sure that they're not at risk for certain infections that can be transmitted in the milk. So the mothers are asked many um, questions about their lifestyle, um, health. They're not they're not um, to be taking prescription medications, there are some exceptions, but no prescription medications on a regular basis. They have to be taking minimal alcohol. You're not allowed to use marijuana, that kind of thing. So you, you pass all those questions. Then you have a blood test done to make sure that you don't have an infection with HIV or hepatitis, or again, something that could be passed into the milk. We also, um, by the regulations of our accreditation body, uh, reach out to the mother's physician and the baby's physician and get approval for the mother to um, donate well. Just another double check so that the families whose infants are getting this milk have that confidence that people have been fully screened. And questions are coming up these days, especially about things like substance use. You know, is the milk, is the milk checked for, for um, illicit drugs? And most of the studies have shown that women like yourself that donate are very altruistic. They're, they're not using um, 
illicit substances. And when they've checked these women um, or their milk for substances, they're, they're not finding them. And so in very large studies. So it's, it's a very good screening process. It's, it's a bit of a, um, it's a, it's a lot of work on a young mother. And we've actually developed a web portal where most of this can be done online. So no longer are you having to mail forms, sign paper forms, it's all done online and to make it easier. Uh, except the blood test, of course, can't be done online. That has to be done either at our facility or at a local lab. And then the other safety step in the whole milk banking process is that once the milk is brought here by the mother or shipped by the mother, um, the milk is heat treated, pasteurized to kill any bacteria that might be in there. It, it kills um, pathogenic bacteria, um, but it also kills the probiotic, the good bac bacteria, um, viruses, and um, it makes it a safe product for us to give tiny fragile babies in the NICU. Wow. <laughs> so much goes into it, right? You don't even yeah. think about it. So many steps, such a process, such a, such a beautiful thing. I love that. I'd love to put in the show notes, if possible, if you could supply me, you know, a list of, you know, maybe the process and how people can donate if they'd like to. I'd also love to, you know, put how to access you if, if there's a mother in need, um, you know, what that process looks like too. And then if you have, so do you have equipment that you recommend, you know, breast pumps? How does that all work? Because they're expensive, oh, that's right? And yeah, that's yeah. a great question. Um, first of all, in terms of um, people donating, I think um, I'm happy to give you all that information. And we'll also put a link to the Human Milk Bank Association of North America because people should donate to their local milk banks. And um, it's good for the milk banks. It's, the mothers want to know that their milk is being used by the hospitals in their region. And there may also be some biology. Some people that live in Canada may have a little bit different milk than people that live in Southern California and maybe be babies can benefit from that. So we'd really like to drive people to use their regional milk banks. And our, our catchment area is Southern California. So we'd love to any moms locally to, uh, to contact us here. So how to uh, best express your milk? I think, um, you know, it, it used to be simple. There weren't that many pumps on the market and now there's all kinds of pumps. And it's really interesting. People, some people like to hand express the milk. Some people like to rent a hospital grade milk. Other people do just fine with a hand pump and really anything goes. I will say though that one of the things we talk to our donor mothers, I don't know if you had this experience, but this milk is, is aimed, targeted at these micropremies and they need calories and they need protein and um, the calories are provided by fat. So when people, some people put um, a little vacuum device on one breast as they nurse the baby and collect milk, but it tends to be for milk, that low, lower calorie milk that comes off the breast in the beginning and it's not as good for the preemies in the NICU. And so really anything that empties your breasts really well is gonna be higher calories and fat and gonna be better for our little um, babies that we're serving. So that might be something for people to think about. The, the, the best pump you can to really empty your breast well would be the best donation. Mm -hmm. And to follow up on that, do you wanna tell us a little bit more about pooling what we do at the milk bank and then also what they could do at home as they're filling bags and also like freezing versus refrigerating, how that changes the milk so that they can, moms can think about how they are yeah. feeding their children or saving some for donation. Yeah, I think we probably haven't done a great job, um, I blame us pediatricians, at talking to women about 
um, that are pumping, and so I include the donors in this, about how to get that best milk product to the baby. People just think, you know, you pump and then you feed the baby the milk out of the bag. But there's a couple things to think about. One is that every time you move milk from one container to another, you're leaving behind fat. And you, you know that if you've done it, you see the fat stuck to the, to the container. So you wanna maximize that fat for your own child or for donation. So pumping into a container that you're gonna store in is a great idea. Um, however, some people pump smaller amounts of milk and they may end up with you know, hundreds of little bags with one ounce in it, which isn't gonna be um, very easy to handle later. When uh, there were a couple of years when I was working in the NICU and we were looking at all these things, how can we improve the quality of milk for the baby and also the mother's workload? And we came up with this idea of pooling milk. So milk that you pump in the morning is different than milk that you pump at night. Just like I was telling you, milk that it comes off the breast first is lower in calories. Milk that comes off the breast last is higher in calories. Morning milk can be lower in calories. Night milk is a little higher. The breast is emptied better. So we started having our NICU moms pump and pour their milk over the course of 24 hours into a container, pooling 24 hours of milk. And then they could put it into containers to freeze up and take to the hospital. Because otherwise, a little preemie baby might be fed morning milk only for a couple of days and they're just not gonna grow. Whereas if you pool it, you have more consistent nutrient product. And the mothers loved it too because they could see just what they were making. So when I have colleagues pumping at work, I do recommend they pool their milk um, uh, when they're pumping in the hospital for their babies. So that take a, like a thermos or a large flask that's nice and clean, wash the dishwasher is fine. It doesn't have to be sterile. And every time they pump, they can dump the milk and put it into a big container. And that may help the nutrient content. Now for a full-term baby who's growing well, probably doesn't matter what you do. But if you have a baby who's young, or if you have a baby, one of these lean babies, and you're worried a little bit about the weight gain, you may want to um, pull, pull your milk. And Hannah's laughing because she had, she had a nice, long, lean baby. And there's probably supposed to be like that, most of them. But sometimes some kids need a little extra calories. I think one of the other things we don't talk enough about is how to store your milk to make it best for your baby. When you take a pumped milk and you put it in the refrigerator, it can stay pretty good in there for a full-term baby for four to eight days. The bacteria counts actually go down over the first few days in the refrigerator and the maternal cells are living in that milk. The fat composition is very good for a baby. And so we encourage people to feed their baby what we call um, raw milk, milk that hasn't been frozen. It's gotta be cold, but not frozen. Once you freeze milk, it kills all the cells it destroys the architecture of the milk fat. And um, it's true if you're, if you're gonna keep it over you know, four to eight days, you need to freeze it. But just to, uh, mom should think about not freezing the milk so quickly if they're gonna use it promptly for their own child or, or um, for taking especially to the NICU. Now, milk donation is different. The milk is all frozen. Um, nobody's donating raw milk or fresh milk. Nobody's pumping in the, in the milk bank. It's all frozen milk, so that, that's fine. We're gonna pasteurize that milk anyways. But for your own child, I think people should think about things like what kind of containers are you pumping into? How many transfers? Use raw milk whenever you can and um, think, about, um, think about maximizing that biology of your milk for your child. I think an another <laughs> thing to think about, you know, Hannah mentioned this, like what do we know about um, the difference of feeding a baby at the breast versus feeding a baby express milk. And you might be surprised to know that we just don't know very much about that. Um, there's 
just been a few studies looking at what does it mean for a child who gets um, fed all human milk, but not at the breast. And um, the biology of the milk is probably very much the same. You know, that's why I was talking about freezing. But it may be that the way you feed a baby is also important in terms of baby's growth. And so um, there's a little, there's some evidence out of a great study done in Canada looking at infant weight at age one for children that were fed mother's milk at the breast versus mother's milk in a bottle. And the babies who were fed mother's milk in the bottle had a higher weight um, actually in between the formula babies and the breast fed babies. So they had weight in between um, those two. And it may be that it's the way we feed children too that it's very important. And trying to mimic the act of breastfeeding where the baby controls the volume and not the adult pushing them to finish a bottle, um, you know, scheduling feedings, but really letting the baby lead the process and take what they want and learn the pleasure of having a full tummy and being able to stop when you're done. And that infant responsive feeding we think is really important. Something else to think about for, for moms that are expressing milk and feeding it in a bottle. It's still amazing. The infectious disease protection, I would think, would be the same. We haven't looked at it. But the, the um, concern about infant overweight may be something to think about. Amazing. A lot to think about today. <laughs> so, yeah. many, so many gold nuggets about uh, liquid gold. So thank you so, so much. Wow, it was a jam-packed episode full of, of all kinds of goodies. I'm going to post a ton of information in the show notes so that people can access that if they're you know, interested, if they want to learn more of the statistics and, you know, what you can do and how you can do it and the process. So I'll post as much as I possibly can. But if, if our listeners want to find you specifically, where can they do so? Yeah, at the, at our web portal at the UC um, Health Milk Bank, and I'll give it to you to put in your, in your notes. Mm-hmm. And we'd love people to come there. We have um, knowledge articles about all these topics and a link to find other milk banks, a link, links to find um, good information about feeding children um, and um, milk donation as well, as well. So I'd love to have people utilize our web portal to get more information. So amazing. And, and also our Instagram is UC Milk Bank. So you can follow us there too. And all the links are in that profile. Perfect. Well, thank you both so much for being here. That was so informative and so helpful. And I'm sure all of our listeners will get a ton of value from that if they're, you know, in that stage of life right now. Um, so thank you so much for being here. What an honor. Great. Absolutely. Thank you, Sabrina. Thanks for thank having you for, us. And thank you for being a milk donor. We learned something new about you today. Thank you. <laughs> thank you. <laughs>